If I can't preach after that intro, I can never preach, huh? I would have worked out a little bit more. If I would have known, that would have been such an epic. Like me and iron don't necessarily physically connect, but iron is a metaphor. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're starting a new series. I want to talk to the guys here. I'm going to talk pointedly to the men. As you know, in our ministry, we give women lots of opportunities and and we love our ladies here. But there is something that God has for a man in leadership, a man in authority that's unique and special and from him. The, The earth itself, the planet we live on, consists of lots of iron. I mean, iron is the foundation of the earth's core. It's the foundation of the earth's crust. And throughout the formation of uh, of mankind, iron has been used to build things. Iron has been used to preserve. Iron has been used uh, to form who we are today. Even steel, which in the last couple of centuries has been the predominant building block of the Industrial Revolution. It has to have iron. Steel is is made of iron and other elements. So iron is at the basis of everything. And here, here's the truth about iron. It's very moldable. Uh, it can form easily. And then when iron is formed for the purpose the designer has for it, it hardens and it becomes unbreakable. So iron starts out moldable. And then once it achieves the purpose for the designer, that which is moldable becomes unbreakable. Do you see the metaphor here for us men? God has called us to be iron men. And not just because there's a cool movie called that. He called us to do that way, way before. So today I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, if you have your smartphone, you can go to Version under live events. We think we've solved the problem with our Wi-Fi. But 9 o'clock service, you can be our test. Our test, yeah, that. thank you. All right, you can be our, our test of to see if this works out. Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to read a lengthy passage of 9 through 19 today. It says, And the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the call of God. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, and I put the italics here, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. That's a good scripture. Can you say amen to that? You agree that's good? So here's the word of the Lord. Now we're going to get into some of the specifics that don't necessarily relate uh, directly to our message today, but we don't want to skip it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them. So this is essentially a very difficult word once again. Just like Isaiah, we've looked at Isaiah, and now Jeremiah had a harsh 
tough word to give to the people that judgment was coming specifically from an army from the north. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worship the work of their hands. But you dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Don't be dismayed by them lest I dismay you before them. Let's hold right there in dismay. Remember last week we talked about this word dismay out of Isaiah chapter 41. Dismay means to look around at one another not knowing what to do. So don't be dismayed by them lest I dismay you before them. Now verse 18, here's a key verse. And behold, and I behold will make you this day a fortified city. And here's our metaphor today, an iron pillar and bronze walls, that means it's an unbreakable city. Can you imagine a city in the ancient days that, were, that had steel beams, excuse me, iron beams, and bronze walls that was the strongest material known in that day. He said, I'm going to make you an unbreakable, impenetrable city against the whole land, against the king of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you. But they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord to deliver you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 through 19. I want you to see three characteristics out of this scripture that you're going to need as a man. If you're not a man, you're going to want to look for these in a man. If you have a man and he doesn't have these, you're going to want to pray that your man has these. Because these are things that God wants to emerge in your life. See, God came to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wasn't any different than us. He wasn't more holy. He wasn't any different. He was a man just like us. But God had a message to give. God needed to use Jeremiah. And despite the protest of Jeremiah earlier in chapter 1, and despite Jeremiah's weakness, and besides Jeremiah's insecurity, God said some things very clear to him. And the first thing I want you to write down, I want you to see it in your U version. What God said for an iron man, if he's looking for an iron man, an iron man is this. It's a man who sees. A man who sees. God wants a man with vision. I think about the founding fathers of the United States of America. Do you understand that these men had a vision? A vision to see something that had never existed before. Not, not a political dynasty that was inherited because someone was born to the right person. They did not see a theocracy where some religious ruler was determining the outcome. A dictatorship where one person dominated every single, every single decision made by a group of people. Our founding fathers had a vision of a government ruled by the people of the people, for the people's benefit. And that's why these last 230 plus years has been an experiment, a positive experiment, a great experiment, a successful experiment that's been duplicated all over the globe of the freedom, the freedom of the individual to choose who to worship, to choose where to live, to choose to pursue, pursue life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. This all happened because a group of men had a vision. I believe that the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy the vision of a man. He wants a man 
to no longer imagine a better future. He wants a man to no longer see the possibilities. He wants you men to stop dreaming. And the powers of hell are attacking your dream. The powers of hell are attacking your potential. Because when a man begins to see the future through the eyes of God, and he begins to dream under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and he begins to see the word of the Lord for his family, and for his community, and for his work, and for his business, there is no power like a man who has God's vision on his life. And I believe that one of the things God wants to do today is begin to stir up and rekindle and cause to come back to life again a vision that you may have lost. God asked Jeremiah this, and, and very early on, he asked him, and I believe it's in verse 18. If you can put that up for me. Verse 18, or the first verse there. Verse 11, sorry. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see? Can I tell you that God is looking for a man who's been in his presence enough that he begins to see the word of the Lord. He begins to see the things of God. He begins to see what God is seeing. The question I have for my life today and the question that I have for you men, what do you see? What do you see in the future? What do you see for your spouse, either your, your spouse and your children? What do you see for the work of your hands that God has given you? Because what you have in your hands is not ordinary. What you have in your hands is not uh, something common. What you have in your hands is something to be valued. God has given you authority in your life. You have authority in the job that you have. I don't care if you're, <clears throat> if you're at the bottom of the organizational chart. You have an authority because God has given you a gift. He's given you a job. God has given you an opportunity. God has given you a talent. God has given you a unique personality. No one's been made like you. And he wants you to see through his eyes. He wants you to see through eyes of vision. Not what you see today, but what God has for you in the future. The question God had for Jeremiah is, what do you see? What do you see, Jeremiah? And I want you to think about your life. Because it's so easy just to see what you have now and demean it and to see it as little and to see it as insignificant. But if you begin to see with God's vision, if you begin to see not just what you have today, but what God can do what you have today. There's a quote that's been most often attributed, attributed to Robert F. Kennedy, but I don't think he was the first one to give this quote, but he certainly is the most famous person that has given this. And it says it this way. There are those who look at things the way they are and ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask, why not? That is the power of a vision. A vision sees further and it sees faster than others around them. God wants you to look further down the road and he wants you to look faster down the road. And he wants you to be a man of vision. Like Jeremiah, let him stir it up. The question before you today is what do you see? The question before you is what do you see? When you think about your child, do you see their weakness? Because your child has weaknesses. Do you see their limitations? Do you see constantly just... Things you don't prefer about your child are can you see who they're becoming?
You have a unique position, fathers, to see something inside your child that the world won't see. You get to see it first. Nobody, nobody on this planet has the power to believe in your child more than you do as a father. I know there's many of us in here that don't have a healthy relationship with our fathers, or maybe we've never had a traditional father, or maybe our fathers have passed away, and the Lord wants you to know that you're not overlooked. The Lord wants you to know that you're going to be okay, that that's okay. I'm just speaking to those who are fathers right now and fathers in the future. Take your role with great, great, great uh, gravity, the gravity of your role. Soak it in, embrace it, because you have, through the authority of God, the ability to speak into your child's life in a way no other person on the planet can do that. And can I just remind you, this is not just for those under the age of 18. Your 40-something-year-old child, your 20-something-year-old child, you still have a unique role to speak in the, as the authority of a father and to call out the good things of the Lord and to call out the beneficial things and to call out the things that you can uniquely see in your child. And I believe one of the questions the Lord wants to echo to you today is a question he gave to Jeremiah. What do you see? What do you see before? See the best in your kids. See the best in them. And God, God will use that. Now, have you ever been around, I don't want to be offensive here, and I certainly don't want anyone to point fingers, but around a woman who talks so much, boy, whenever you say a woman, you're in trouble, aren't you? Around a delicate female species who talks so incessantly that their husband can't get a word in edgewise. Now, that's okay because some people aren't real verbal and females tend to be more verbal. And it's okay if a guy doesn't talk a whole lot when it comes to chit-chat and daily matters. But have you ever been in a difficult social situation where the voice of a male is just needed? And a voice of reason is needed. And that husband can't get a word in edgewise because his spouse is so emotionally worked up and so verbal that she's giving no place to her husband. That is a frustrating situation to be in. I've seen that in the ministry, but I've seen that in common things like customer service interactions. Where, where you just can tell a man wants to assert his influence on the conversation. And, and you can almost tell words are at the tip of his tongue. But his spouse doesn't let him break in. And there's something deep within us that cries out. Speak up. Come on. Man up. Come on, buddy. Come on, dude. Come on, sir. Speak up. There is something needed to say. Here's a second observation. I believe that God, as he's looking for iron men, is looking for men who will speak. Men who will speak. The corresponding verse in Jeremiah chapter one is verse 17. 
after God gave the word, and after God asked Jeremiah, what do you see? He said in verse 17, but you dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything I command you. Say to them. Guys, we have, because of our sinful nature, we, we have the tendency to speak up at the wrong time. Because whenever this little sarcastic, funny remark starts traveling through our brains, that's when we speak up. Whenever this insensitive remark starts flying through our heads that just seems so appropriate, that's when we speak up. But unfortunately, often when matters of righteousness and holiness and justice and things that manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when that issue comes to the front, we whip out. We speak up at the wrong time and we stay silent at the right time. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's the one that teaches us, right? Our dads aren't always the best teachers because they're sinful too. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us too. To speak up for the cause of Christ, to speak up for the things of God, to speak up for the word of the Lord. But often that's when we shrink or because we don't speak up at appropriate times, there's this emotional buildup in us and we get frustrated and we speak the truth out of frustration and not out of love. And sometimes when you speak the truth in the wrong spirit, It'll never be received, even though it is the truth. That's why through the Holy Spirit's power, men, God's calling us to speak up, not in a prideful, indignant, self-righteous way, not to make those around us, our children and our spouse, look stupid and us to look smart. He wants us to speak up because there's a cause he wants us to speak up because there's a right and there's a wrong. He wants to speak up because he's a God of justice. And we have a unique position in our life to speak with the authority of God as men in our families and men in our communities, as men in our environment, that God has given us a unique position. And that's not something to brag about. It's something to humble us. It is. Now, I thank God for the way I see females work with children. We, we would, our, our society would collapse if, if we didn't have the nurturing spirit of a female working with children. There's been situations that have only happened a few times around here where I've been walking through the hallways on a mother's day out and our teachers are trying to get control of their kids and it may be a day where it's raining outside and the kids have extra energy and excitement and it's particularly a sensitive day and the children aren't responding to a female's voice and all I have to do is say, hey! And those kids get real quiet and then I smile at them and take off. <laughs> Let the kids deal with it. The teachers deal with it. Even the octave of a man's voice carries an authority on it. Now, if you misuse that authority, use it too often, or use it inappropriately, it does lose authority. But even the octave of a man's voice echoes, echoes the responsibility God has given us as men 
to speak up, to speak up for the things that matter to God, to speak up for the things that are in God's heart, to speak up not for our advantage so we can get a better seat at the restaurant or so that we could get our choice or our preference so that we could take advantage of the weak to fulfill selfish desires. No, we speak up for the cause of Christ. We speak up for the word of the Lord. We speak up for that which is good and that is of the Lord. So I want to just encourage you, men, speak up, speak forth your wisdom, speak forth your insight, speak forth your, your opinions nurtured in the word of God and speak forth the word of the Lord. Speak forth the word of the Lord. Speak forth the things of God. My father, who passed away almost 10 years ago, was a common man in what the world would say. He was a plumber, a faithful churchgoer, and he was a gregarious person, just always laughing and, and just goofy as can be, one of the, probably the funniest person I've ever known. But when he, it was rare, when he would give me spiritual insight, there was an authority on him unlike any, any other person in my life. Because that's what God has given him. This is a sacred trust. This is for all of it. It never changes. It never changes. As long as you have a child in this world, Father, you have a role to play in their life. You have a role that's special and that's good and that's of him. The question is, what do you see? We need men who see. We need men who speak. The last thing I want to say is we need men who sustain. Men who sustain. I've been to several, I've, this is probably, you know, the sixth or seventh church I've attended in my life. And I have good relationships with every church I've been a part of to God's glory. And it's amazing when I had the opportunity to visit churches that I used to attend. And often, you know, you'll, there'll be tons of new faces tons of differences. But at every one of those church, there's always some men who are still there. And often these men are doing the same jobs. They're leading. They're faithful. They're established. They're, they're unbreakable. They're like iron. Verse 18. Verse 18. We'll look at that again. It says, and behold, I will make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar. This image that in order to build something great, there has to be a support system. There has to be pillars for, with, for which the weight of the building rests on these pillars. And in this, in this context, in this text, there was no stronger material known than iron. And God said, behold, I make you this day an iron pillar. That means it does, for Jeremiah, it meant it, doesn't, it did not matter what people said. It didn't matter how they attacked him. It didn't matter that they literally physically beat Jeremiah up for giving the word of the Lord. Think about it. He, he, he preached the word of the Lord and got physically beat up. But God said, you're an iron pillar. I am resting my word upon whom I'm making you. I'm resting upon you. You are a pillar, unshakable, 
made out of the best material, unbreakable, moldable for me. This metaphor goes on in Galatians chapter 2. Right in the middle of Galatians chapter 2 and verse 9, Paul's writing and he says, In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church. I love that phrase. There's been a couple of times God's given me this word and I haven't, I haven't lightly shared it. I've shared it to, to a few men in this very church and said, the Lord has made you a pillar in this church. I don't say that lightly. I don't say that. Um, I, I say that by the spirit. In every church, in every organization, in every business, and certainly in every family, which is God's heart, we've got to have men who'll sustain pillars. Say, I'm going to be here. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the one that he's the cornerstone, but I'm going to be a pillar in the church. You can count on me. God, you can count on me. You can build your church on me as you're the foundation and you're the cornerstone and my life through your work and through your power, I'm going to be a pillar for you. God's looking for men who will see with vision, men who will speak his word, and men who will sustain his church and do everything he's called us to do. Let's pray about this for a second. The Lord wants you to know that this is attainable for every person in the room I mean, there's a reason you're hearing this today. Uh, this is not a message to make the few look good and make the rest of you men feel bad about yourself. No, this is a message that's calling all of us forward, calling all of us to a higher place, calling all of us to reexamination, calling all of us to evaluation in the presence of the Lord. And as your pastor, I want to call you men forward. I want you to see what God sees. I want you to see the possibilities. I thank God that Kenny Powell and Charles Watson saw that there could be a Bible study at 8 a.m. And because of that Bible study, it started off with two and then three. And now, now over a dozen, sometimes up to 20, will meet to study God's word line by line because a man said uh, that saw a vision of what could be. I'm glad some of you men have had a vision for Christian community and you've opened up your home or you've met here at the church and you've led a 242 group and you've led that group because you believe in Christian community. You've been a pillar in the church. I thank you, God, for some of you men who have turned down promotions and you've turned down opportunities in other cities because you're making the best decision for your wife and your children and you would rather have God's favor and God's best for your kid than, and your child than just some extra prestige and extra money in the bank. Good job, you're being a pillar. You're being a man of vision. Some of you, that God is using you to speak in unique ways. And when this church is everything God wants it to be, the word of the Lord won't just come through a preacher. 
and won't just come through the time slot after worship. The word of the Lord will be in our hearts and we'll begin to speak the word of the Lord to each other at Starbucks and the word of the Lord to each other at Cracker Barrel and the word of the Lord in the garage out back when we are putting up the lawn equipment because the word of the Lord is in you, men. That's in you. It's not hard to attain. It just takes a humble and open heart that says, yes, God. Yes, God, I'll listen to you. Yes, God, I'll see what you see. Yes, God, I'll speak what you want me to speak. And yes, God, I will sustain the things that matter to you. I'll sustain my family. I'll sustain my church. I'll sustain my community. I'll sustain this nation as a man of God. This is for you men. The Lord has called every one of you, some of you young men who are years away from starting your family. The Lord is wanting to put a seed in you this day. You're not a father now. Maybe you're not even interested in being a father yet, but the word of the Lord has been here for you today. The standard has been raised and God, God is moving in your life right now and he's stirring you and he's doing a great thing. Aren't you good, Lord? Lord, you are good. Thank you for stirring us up. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you for the truth of what you have to say. I know, you men, that the reason you're here today is that you love the Lord your God and you love your family. I believe that with all my heart. doesn't matter where you are in your journey. I know there's something in you that loves the Lord. There's something in you that loves him. There's something in you that wants to be that man that I've talked about today. But you can't do it by your own strength. You can't do it by your own ability. You can't do it even by willpower. You can't do it by uh, a... a a um, decision or a technique on your own. You have to have the spirit of the Lord to help you. And there's a prayer that, that echoes my heart as a man.